0: Welcome, my friends. Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. It is Wednesday, June 15th. That means it's Destination Health Day. We've got a big day lined up for you today. The uh, first hour or so based on your calls is really kind of a health free for all. Anything you want to talk about. I have some things I'll open with today while we're getting some calls lined up. We're going to open those phone lines right now, so start dialing 855-950-3835. Calls are starting to come in. We'll get to them here pretty quickly. I have a bunch of stuff I could talk about, uh, but if you want to jump in, uh, today's really all about you. After the free-for-all, Lauren will be joining me for After Hours with Kevin and Lauren. We'll be doing another case study today on anxiety and depression. We're seeing a lot of that, so we're going to talk about that today, give you a real case study and somebody we're working on, and then after that, we'll go live on healthytribe.com. Lauren will be on video. I'll be in the chat and we'll be taking uh, all health questions there as well. So lots of opportunities today to get your questions answered. Jump in and join us 855-950-3835. So I've talked about some of these things on and off over the last couple of years, but Kind of looking at the big picture now and there are some pretty clear patterns that are starting to set up and i you know you don't want to think the worst but at a certain point it's hard not to think that somehow this is designed this way that these aren't accidents or coincidences at some point, and I think we're at that point, it's hard to look at this and say, is something else going on? So what are we talking about? Well, the food production facility fires. I did an open on this a couple weeks ago. I went through a list of 20 some that I did follow up on to make sure that they actually happened. So it wasn't just somebody making up this list. I I got a list. I followed it up. I found all the news reports on each one. They were all legitimate fires. Now, none of them were claiming that it was, you know, arson. Some of them clearly are arson. We haven't caught anybody yet. Um, There seem to be a lot of excuses and reasons, but these numbers are unusual. We shouldn't be seeing this many. Then I started noticing that we're also seeing Uh, a lot of food recalls. Now again, these happen all the time. I'm pretty aware of these. I have uh, news alerts that make me aware of these because it's something I'm interested in. So I've been watching food recalls for years. I know about how many we have every year and all of a sudden we have way more than we used to food being recalled because of uh, contamination, and it's hurting and killing people. We have a couple outbreaks of um, hepatitis from foodborne contamination, and hepatitis uh, can destroy your liver. So this isn't a matter of, you know, you just get a little bit of food poisoning in a couple days, you're fine. Some of these things are pretty serious, and there's a lot more of them than we are used to seeing. Then we have just plain shortages, and the newest one, you know, obviously shortages of baby formula, that's pretty important. Did we wake up in some third world country that can't even feed its own children? This is just awful, honestly. And now, now I read this morning, the next shortage they're predicting? Insulin. This could get ugly. Type 1 diabetics absolutely have to have insulin to live. Many type 2 diabetics have gotten to the point where they have to have insulin to live. Insulin prices have been all over the board, but now we're actually talking about insulin shortages. If you know of somebody who is dependent on insulin, I would make them aware of this, and I would also let them know that there is a way of eating and living that for a type two diabetic, you could eliminate the need for insulin completely. You would not be bothered by this shortage if it turns out to happen. Type ones, you can get by with a lot less insulin if you eat very low carb. So there is something that people can do to help themselves during this shortage if it occurs, but most people don't realize that or know that. So um, this is a place where you could be a lot of help to some people, so keep that in mind. Uh, And then obviously food price inflation. Prices of food are just insane. I normally don't look at prices at the grocery store. I typically just tend to buy the best quality food I can get And I just realized that's an expense I'm going to pay. And if I have to sacrifice somewhere else, I will. But I've been paying attention to food prices just because they're so shocking. Now, there's something you can do here. And it's good in a lot of ways. Start supporting local companies and local farms as much as you possibly can. And in the past, I've talked about that. And it's expensive. I get it. It's not that expensive anymore. I know places all over the country where i've been where you can find local eggs raised properly just in somebody's backyard or on their farm being raised properly and i've seen those eggs go for three or four dollars a dozen now a lot of people think that's expensive you buy a pastured egg in the grocery store they're seven or eight dollars a dozen i have a local family here will sell me all the eggs i want Uh, for four bucks a dozen I always give them five because I think four is just too cheap but go find those places support those local farmers Um, it's summertime farmers markets are starting up go out to farmers markets make these connections you can find these people at the farmers market but that doesn't mean you can't build a relationship with them and just buy directly from them at any time It's getting easier and easier to find meat like this. And the prices of the really healthy, well-raised produce and animal products are now almost in line with what you're paying at the grocery store. And you'll have a, a more consistent supply if you start building some relationships with local farmers or... If you have the ability to grow some of your own food, maybe have a little flock of chickens, maybe raise some meat rabbits, those are all good ideas. I mean, I'd love for somebody to give me some reason why you shouldn't do things like that. There really are none. There are so many benefits to becoming more self-sufficient around food. Um, I was going to do a garden update today um, I may save it for later. I've already got calls coming in. Um, so I'll hold off on that. But if you're interested in gardening, I can certainly help a lot. Um, don't have decades of experience, but I have a lot of recent pretty intense experience last couple of years i have really put a lot of time into reading taking courses learning experimenting in the garden Uh, i'm producing quite a bit of food on a pretty small area right now so if you have any questions about that we can certainly talk about it i'm not going to go through my update right now i'm going to get to some calls uh, first instead let me make sure I got to everything in the notes. Oh, a couple other things, two other things. I'm just going to mention these. I may do show opens on them here in the future. There is a, uh, a medical condition called sudden adult death syndrome. Sudden adult death syndrome. It's not new been around since the early 1900s but it's pretty rare we don't see this happen very often and what when they would use this sudden adult death syndrome is anytime somebody over the age of 40 dies and we do an autopsy and we can't figure out why they died it hap, excuse me happens once in a while we just have no idea why did this person die we do an autopsy we do toxicology screens we do everything we can possibly do we can't figure out why this person died they assume that it probably has something to do with the heart that is the assumption when this happens that something went wrong with the heart that we're not able to detect after death we're not positive that that's what's happening but we think it is. Well, here's why I'm bringing this up now. Like I said, it's been around since the 1900s. The numbers of people dying from sudden adult death syndrome around the world are through the roof. It's not a a little increase. It's a really big increase. All over the world, people dying, and we don't know why. We can do an autopsy. We can't figure out why. Those numbers have gone way up. Of course, we have to start thinking, is it caused by COVID or is it caused by the COVID vaccine or possibly both? And I'm pretty sure that both have something to do with this. I don't know when we'll get access to the data to try to figure it out, but it seems pretty clear. And we also know, absolutely, absolutely, I mean, even the government doesn't dispute this. We have the data. The vaccine does increase the risk of heart issues. Myocarditis, pericarditis. that's proven. Now, they try to suppress the numbers and make it sound better than it is, but we know that happens after the vaccine. The odds of that happening go way up. That's a heart issue. We think this sudden adult death syndrome is also a heart issue. Definitely something to keep an eye on. Like I said, I may do a, uh, a longer show on that sometime soon. Uh, something else, this, this one just makes me crazy. Um, genetically modified, and now I'm talking about animals, not just plants. It's bad enough when we genetically modify plants. And every time I talk about this, I'm going to get a bunch of emails from ignorant people. And yes, ignorant is the correct word here. They will almost always have an agricultural background, and they will tell me that I don't know what I'm talking about, that there's nothing wrong with genetically modified. We've been doing it forever. They do it right on the farm. That is total bullshit. It's completely wrong, and it shows how ignorant these people are. I don't care if they have 120 years of living on a farm. Wrong is wrong. That is not what genetically modified is. That is selective breeding, hybridizing, cross-pollinating. Um, we can even cross-breed certain animals. That's fine. That can all happen in nature. As humans, we've been doing that with plants and animals forever. I mean, the best example of this is look at dogs. Every dog on the planet is a descendant of a wolf, but look at them. How do you get a Chihuahua and a Bull Mastiff from a wolf? But we were able to do that. That is not genetically modified. That is just selective breeding. I'm okay with that. We selective breed plants and we get certain characteristics that make the plant better. And it's a natural process that humans just speed up a little bit. And we can manipulate that process to get certain outcomes. We've been doing it long enough to know that it doesn't hurt anything. Now, in plants, there is something you should know. A lot of times when you start crossbreeding plants and creating new varieties, many of those varieties... um, will not be able to propagate the next season. A lot of these hybrid varieties, they're not genetically modified. They're just hybrid plants where we you know, cross-pollinate. But many times, you can't collect the seeds from those and use them the next year. They won't grow a plant, or they'll grow a plant that won't grow fruit. That is the one downside you need to be aware of. So for my core crops, tomatoes, potatoes, onions, garlic, peppers, cabbage, the core stuff that I grow, I always grow heirloom varieties. What heirloom tells us is that we know that the seeds from that produce will continue to produce year after year after year so you can just keep collecting your own seeds and i wouldn't even need to buy any seeds now i do grow some hybrid plants because i like them and i want them but i also know that i can't collect seeds from those if i can't get the seed for that plant next year if i can't buy that seed next year i can't use anything that i collected they won't grow but there's no health downsides to this Genetically modified is completely different. It is not a natural process at all. We physically take genes out of one organism, splice them out, and splice that gene into another organism. That never happens in nature. That is a totally unnatural process. And we mix and match. We put genes from plants into animals and genes from animals into plants this is a really really bad idea we shouldn't be doing it and what's even worse somehow you don't even know that the food you're eating is genetically modified it's not required to be labeled not at all isn't that Ridiculous, all the stuff that we have to put on food labels, but we don't have to put on there that it was genetically modified, that it's Franken food. So, you better know your food source. So, here's the latest genetically modified animal they are approving right now uh, in the chicken business, we grow chickens for eggs and when you're growing chickens for eggs you only care about the females because we don't need males in this operation at all and it is very common that we kill off most of the male chicks hundreds of thousands if not millions a year we just kill off the male chicks because in an egg operation they are worthless so we kill them That's awful, but that's our food supply. Now, we also grow broilers and fryers, chickens that we're going to eat. I guess males are fine there. But in the egg business, they don't want males and they have to kill them. And it's a lot of work and it's expensive. So let's just create a Franken chicken, which is what they've done. They've genetically modified a chicken so that none of the males will live. We don't have to kill them anymore. We've created a Franken-chicken that will kill all of the male embryos unnaturally. None of the male embryos from these chickens will survive. That is a really, really bad idea, but that's what we're doing. I may do a whole show on genetic modification because... There are a lot of ignorant people about it who swear they know what they're talking about because they grew up on a farm, and they are completely wrong about this topic. Uh, And it's going on a lot, and we don't know it. If you don't go look for this information, like I said, it's not required to be labeled at all. And it's done on plants and animals, and uh, it's pretty crazy. All right, calls are coming in. We are going to get started today in Illinois. Mike, welcome to the program.
1: Good morning, Kevin. How you
0: doing? Doing good. What can I help you with today?
2: Got a question. If you're eating once a day, what's the best way to get in all your nutrient dense foods because you can't eat all everything in one day. Is it okay to eat it, you know, once, you know, so much this day, that day instead of eating the stuff every day like I used to?
0: Yes, it is okay. And the reason being, most of the nutrients that we want to get to get out of these foods, out of the really nutritious foods, most of them we store in our body. So you're able to eat them at different times and go, you know, times without eating them. And you can still have those nutrients in your body. There are some exceptions. There are some water-soluble nutrients. Uh, the big one that comes to mind is vitamin C. Um, you, you, we should be consuming vitamin C every day. Just about because it washes out of our body every day. But there doesn't seem to be any big downside to not getting vitamin C every day. So, yeah, for the most part, things like, you know, organ meats and seafood. For the most part, if you're eating organ meats twice a week or seafood twice a week, that's plenty.
2: Oh, okay, all right. I was just curious about the fermented garlic, the fermented beet powder, your the sauerkraut, the fermented yeah. sauerkraut. Sa- same
0: same thing, thing there. You know, probiotics don't go, well, they do go away. They change constantly, but it's not like just because we don't eat probiotic foods for a day or two that we lose all of our gut bacteria. In fact, fasting, which okay. is what we're talking about, seems to improve our gut bacteria.
2: Okay. All righty. I just was curious.
0: Yeah. No, you, you'll be uh, fine. The um You know, when we start seeing people doing crazy long-term fasting, like a month, uh, you would think that we would see some nutrient deficiencies during that time. But there doesn't seem to be a lot of evidence oh. of that. For some reason, it seems like people can fast for extended periods of time, and we don't see a lot of nutrient deficiencies. Okay. Good enough
2: uh thank you i'll let you get on to somebody else
0: you're welcome thanks for the call uh let's see we're gonna go to iowa this time jeremy welcome to the program
1: hi kevin what's on your mind today Hey, i better get to that. i better get to the important thing first it's not really a question it's more like a situation tammy tammy uh well okay we we know we have one food source as far as our we eat the same things, you know, fish, meat, eggs. If it's well, anyway, uh, seven months ago, so we pickled some eggs to try to test it, and um, pickling lime. And my mom was over, and, and she wanted to, they wanted to see if it was fresh, so they cracked one. Well, wait, and wait, it was wait, fresh wait, 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 wait. Hold on,
0: are you talking yeah. about? Pickling eggs or glassing eggs?
1: Water glassing. Eggs. Oh, um, yeah, water glass. Yes, water glassing. Okay, that makes water more glassing, sense. Water okay, glassing. Yeah, with got um, it. got it. Yeah, and and we, you know, we had bought a pickling lime from. uh, Yeah, let me you know uh, one let, of the we. Let me clarify yeah. this
0: because people listening are probably confused. Even though you're using a product oh, called okay. pickling lime. And we do pickle mm-hmm. eggs a lot to preserve them. This is different. So when we pickle an egg to preserve it, we hard boil it first or soft boil it. Then we put it in a pickling solution with vinegar and those kind of things and pickling spices. And we pickle the hard boiled egg. It gets tangy and you know sour like a pickle and it preserves the egg. What you're talking about is preserving the egg uncooked in the shell. And we have to first start with farm eggs that have not been washed. You can't do this with grocery store eggs. You have to start with, you know, properly raised eggs that were not washed. And then you use this specific pickling lime. You mix the lime in the water you fill a jar with water and then you start dropping in raw eggs in the shell. And somehow this solution forms, you know, protection around these eggs and they kind of last forever or they're supposed to, I have not done this process yet. I've read about it. I understand it. Okay. I've never tried it.
1: Yeah. And we, cause we have chickens. And so, um, we wanted to, you know, preserve some right. Like you said, with that process. And, um, so they, you know, they cracked it into a bowl and just to see what was going on. It's been, you know, six or seven months. So, and, um, so, uh, Tammy, we, so we had one cracked in the bowl, you know, we were eating that night anyway. And then the next morning we just had that, we didn't want to waste the eggs. So I made, uh, we made bacon and eggs and she ate that one that was uh they cracked well she broke out into this like serious rash like nasty rat under her eye and her chest you know like so much so that we we waited a day or two to see what was going to happen it just kept getting worse and like i said we don't eat anything that's different the same one right you know we know our food source yeah and that was the only thing that was different was that pickling lime i guess it's i guess it's uh um calcium hydroxide but but anyway we and i don't know if she, going outside the sun made it work because it was like where her sun skin was exposed there's a lot of variables here even even one with um now that you mentioned you know the egg sometimes you know when we're on the road her mom collects the eggs now we wonder maybe did she wash them or something and then that, you know that stuff permeated into the shell and and, and tammy's allergic to it but we had to get rid of it. So we went, you know, we went to, uh, our, our doctor that we do, you know, sometimes does our labs and, and she, he, he gave her a shot of, uh, uh, uh of Yeah. Cause we had to get on the road and we, we didn't know what to do. I swelled up and all that, but it's finally going away now. It took like a week, but, uh, did, did anybody yeah, else eat any yeah. of these eggs?
0: No. Okay.
1: So, <laughs> I, 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 yeah, I get yeah.
0: it. <laughs> so now you said something else, and I just want to make sure I'm clear on this. It sounded like you cracked an egg one day and cooked it the next morning.
1: Yes, they they what? put it in a glass bowl, you know, and we didn't eat it because we were eating that night Was with it? my mom and stuff. So they just. Got- I covered it. Put it in the fridge. Uh, I was yeah. just going to ask. It did go in the fridge,
0: so it'll be fine. I mean, just the fact right, I, yes. I didn't know if it right. got cracked and then left on the counter. Um, so there's, there's, you, you, oh, okay. There's two possibilities here. One, something yeah. changed within the egg during that time that she's sensitive to, or two, she is actually sensitive to the pickling lime itself. Uh, I don't have an answer for you, yeah. and. You would have to test this, and it sounds unpleasant. <laughs> I mean, she. Yeah, I mean, I was, I was getting scared. Like, is she going right. to be scared for life or what, you know? Right. And, uh, I mean, you, you could but, test it, but even that's a little scary. I mean, yes, I, I would be a little nervous about testing one of these eggs. But I, I there's, unless you could take it to a lab somewhere, there are food labs around, and right. you may take them to a lab and see if they could test for something. I don't know.
1: Yeah, I mean, right. So we were i don't know if we need necessarily to preserve them, and you know, uh, we 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 use, make a lot of ice cream, a lot of uh, we eat them sometimes, but right. I don't know freezing right. them as well. You know, but we're going to look into it. So yeah,
0: it, it, anyway, you know, yeah, I, that was. Uh, I, I know, like I said, I've read a lot about the process. I understand it. I've thought about trying it, so that you know. The idea of preserving yeah. eggs in their raw state is—I um, I like that idea, but certainly. Oh, they were fresh. They were. Yeah, like- e- you know, either something went wrong here, or she is that sensitive to this product, or
1: I just don't know. Right. Uh, so, anyway, and, and so isn't ketchup a wonderful thing? <laughs> <laughs> yes. I mean, I mean, it's like I saw you canned a bunch of barbecue sauce and on 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 Healthy Tribe, and I I make my own sauce too, you know. I but doesn't it seem like all we do is like jazz up ketchup? That's to it. Make barbecue sauce. Yes, that
0: is the easiest way to make really good barbecue sauce. Is find a really good quality. <laughs> Low sugar or no sugar ketchup. So there are two options that I use. One is Primal Kitchen ketchup. It has no sugar at all. The problem with Primal Kitchen is it's expensive. It's small. And I haven't found it in big quantities. So you got to buy all these damn bottles and open them up. And I'm doing, you know, a three-gallon batch because I want to can it. So I did find Portland ketchup, which is really clean. It's organic. It doesn't have any junk in it. It does have a little bit of cane sugar. It must not be a lot. Is yeah, that the one in the brown box? Yeah. It's like a it, big brown box? Yep. It must not be a lot of mm-hmm. sugar because it only has two grams more of carbs than the um, Primal Kitchen does. It's not that big of a deal. And because I can buy it in two and a half gallon boxes, you know, it's a bag in a box kind of thing. So I created my recipe on a two and a half gallon batch. And it's nice. I open the box. Right put it in the pot, put in all my other stuff, and before you know it, I have barbecue sauce. Now, I do have a recipe that I use at the end of summer when I'm loaded with tomatoes and onions and garlic and jalapenos from the garden, and I do make my barbecue sauce from scratch, but basically, I still kind of make ketchup first. I use all my tomatoes in that and yeah. I make ketchup. I, then I use that ketchup base to make my barbecue sauce. And I have to tell you, yeah. this yeah. batch of barbecue sauce, I tasted, I opened one after I canned it. I ended up canning 22 pints, I think. Um, I opened one up. Wow. This is the best barbecue yeah. sauce I have ever tasted in my life. This is my best batch all ever. All right. Uh, it is so good. I wish I could just market this stuff and sell it. I, I could, I guess, but,
1: uh, that's a, that's a big yeah. project. Well, yeah. Tammy said, uh, she loves mine too. I, and I've tried it with like tomato paste because I was like, why am I using ketchup? I'm using vinegar, apple cider vinegar, basically all the ingredients of ketchup anyway, like with, um, uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. You know, just some distilled vinegar, you know, and, uh, I mean, I'm sorry, I mean apple apple cider, cider vinegar right. and you know worcestershire a, a little a little Worcestershire you know, and then of course the tomato stuff, but then I was like, all I'm doing is make adding exactly the same ingredients I use <laughs> it just, um just more apple of cider. Them. I use ketchup right? right and and I don't use any added sugar i i um I add like gar garlic powder and onion salt and I use uh black molasses right, and then I was trying to sometimes I'll use like a date spicy date something, or sometimes I'll just use honey. Yep. Like, uh, and then, and then I'll, uh, add, uh, that, uh, kitchen bouquet a little bit and, and then for the spice, I'll use black pepper, uh, red, red, red peppers and, uh, you know, dried red peppers and, uh, chili peppers and the, Tabasco.
0: Yeah. This time for cook it down, you know,
1: because I do like spicy
0: barbecue sauce, Um, this time for heat, I used habanero and habanero, the flavor of habanero really, really seemed to kick up the flavor of this barbecue. Now it's hot. It's got some heat, that's the way I like mine, but the flavor is just incredible, and I let it cook down all day long. Maybe I'll try it. Yeah, I just put it on a low simmer of the big pot, let it cook down all day long, so it's really, you know, rich and thick and tangy and smoky, and it's got the heat from the habanero, and I'm ready just to drink this stuff, it's so damn good.
1: Right. Right. Hey, uh, thanks. Thanks for, uh, you know, doing, uh, introducing us to the X three bar and all that. Cause, uh, man, where else can we, you know, do all the, you know, big lifts out here on the road so easily, you know, deadlift squat, you yeah. know, chest press, all that. And, uh, I didn't know if you, you know, if X three makes a shorter band, but I found a company that maybe if you, you might've heard of it. It's called serious steel, but they make the bands that are, I mean, I, But in a shorter, they make a 32-inch, which, I I mean, and the quality is pretty similar. So I got some of those, but I didn't know if you knew about it.
0: No, I didn't know about that. What's the name of the company? Because I will check those out. Because Um, that is the biggest problem I have with the X3 bars. I'm so damn short. My arms are so short that uh, I I do struggle with those bands. I would love to have. Now, here's the thing. Do they feel... When you're doing the workout, do they feel like the bands from the X3? Because that was the real secret. I've tried band systems before, and I hated them. Yes.
1: Right, I know. And uh, so I've ordered, you know, before X3, I was using some bands that were kind of similar with thickness and the material, you know, from China, you know. And uh, no, these are going to be like right there. Like, you know, okay. if you had, if there was no X3, these would be them. Yeah. What's the name of the company? You know, they, uh, serious steel, serious steel. Okay. I'm gonna and ask, I went ahead and yeah. And I them. went ahead and ordered, uh, the whole, yeah. Yeah. You know, I went ahead and ordered, the. Uh, they're so short. I left the black one at home because I was like, oh, I'm not going to get tempted to use it yet because I, I want to build yeah. up my strength on these shorter ones. Uh, um, yeah. yeah. So anyway, check it out. We'll do Will let me do. know. Thank you. All right.
0: All right. Thanks yeah. for the call. Great stuff. Uh, I did post my um, barbecue sauce recipe on um, healthy tribe.com. So, and it's a big batch. So I, it's a, you start with two and a half gallons of the base ketchup. It ends up being uh, a little over three gallons total. And then I cooked it down So it probably ended up back at about two and a half gallons again, or pretty close. Uh, And then I canned it. I got 22 pints, but I put the recipe up there. And this is my simple recipe. Uh, Basically, I can give you all the ingredients right now. It's really simple. It's the ketchup, low sugar, no sugar. The two brands I've found are Primal Kitchen and Portland ketchup. So the ketchup, raw apple cider vinegar, and I use organic everything, Um, unsulfured molasses, blackstrap molasses, unsulfured and organic. And I even put links so you can go find all these products as well. Um, So it's the ketchup, apple cider vinegar, the blackstrap molasses. Uh, I do use liquid smoke and no liquid smoke is not fake. It's actually real smoke. Uh, That is the base recipe and if you just mix those things to taste you know i do put quantities in this time i normally don't but i did when i when i made this batch i measured everything so that i would know and i'm glad i did because like i said this has been my best batch so far but that's it now you can jazz this up a little bit without getting complicated but that that is a really simple way to make a good barbecue sauce I did use some onion, salt, garlic powder, and then I used some uh, habanero sauce to create the heat. That's it. You mix it all in a pot. uh, You let it simmer down. It gets thicker. It gets nice and rich, and then you can it. Super easy. And you can water bath can uh, barbecue sauce in just 20 minutes. 20 minutes in a water bath canner, and you're fine, or 20 minutes in a pressure canner. I used both. Uh, I was able to do 22 pints in one batch. I got 18 pints into my pressure canner. That's why I like to use it, because I can get so many. I can double stack in there. So I got 18 pints in the pressure canner, and then I did the last four pints at the same time in a water bath canner, and everything came out great. I am also really on a roll with the pressure canner. I have done six batches. So it's roughly six times 18. It's uh, over 100 pints. My last six batches, I have not had a single jar not seal. That never used to happen. I'd, uh, prior to this, uh, I can barely remember batches where every single jar sealed, except now I'm on six in a row. I have to believe my canning skills are getting better. Let's... Uh, Let's continue on with the phones. We have lines open uh, if you want to join us. I have some other things I could talk about. I could do a garden update, Um, but we've gotten through the calls pretty quickly here. There is room for more. If you jump in right now, I'll keep taking them. Uh, 855-950-3835. If you dial right now, I promise I'll get to you. Let's go to Ohio. Carl, welcome to the program.
3: Hi, Kevin.
4: Uh, I got a few interesting things here for you. Okay. Um, I ran across a gentleman uh, that uh, lives up in uh, Nebraska, and he uh, built himself a homemade geothermal greenhouse just using basically uh, flexible drain pipes to, uh, you know, he buried those under the ground and put a fan to it, and he was able to keep the uh, greenhouse fairly warm enough, and he's actually growing uh, tangerines up in Nebraska in his little greenhouse.
0: Interesting. I've seen designs for these. Um, It wouldn't work really well on the property that I'm on right now, but it would work really well on the property I have over on the Washington side of the river. I'm actually thinking about attempting one of these over there, and we have mild enough winters that I'm pretty sure I could grow some stuff all year round here.
4: He did say that, you know, when uh, picking you got to bury the, the, those, those pipes deep enough that you're below the frost line. Otherwise, it's going to just freeze up and nothing's going to stay alive and that cold.
0: Yeah, and, and we don't really have much of a frost line here. I mean, we very, very seldom drop below freezing even in the wintertime. I mean, when, when we get snowstorms here, and we do, it'll be like 28, 29, 30 degrees. And you really just don't get deep frost when you have weather like that. So we, we have really, really mild winters here. And I have looked at this, and there are several different designs you can use. And I believe that I could probably uh, continue growing some things all throughout the winter if I were to build one of those.
4: Yeah, I live down in Arizona. I've been thinking about doing that myself because, you know, we have also keep it cool enough that I could keep fruits and vegetables exactly. going. Because yeah. that sun in Arizona just killed it.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I can remember uh, trying to garden in Florida, and some things grow fantastic in that climate, but other things you really, really struggle to grow because it's just too hot.
4: Yeah, some of the other things I ran across is uh, I ran across a, a YouTube video of a gentleman. He was uh, canning butter.
0: Yeah, um, canning butters is actually a thing. Uh, I've talked in the past. I buy canned butter That's some of the best butter I have ever had in my life. It comes from New Zealand, and New Zealand has some of the cleanest environments, and cows have always been grass-fed forever in New Zealand. Um, They make a butter called Red Feather is the brand, and I buy it by the case, uh, and it's shelf-stable forever just about. But I've also, in the group that I'm in, Canning Rebels, they, they talk about canning butter all the time.
4: Yeah, when I was like looking at canning, and because I'm getting into canning right now, um, I got me an All-American, but sadly it won't fit on my stove because it's too tall. And um, I actually ran across a uh, company that makes uh, reusable canning lids because I looked at the ones that you were talking about, and it's hard to find the the, the rubber rings, at least for what I could find. And so uh, I ran across uh, this uh, website that sells the lids and the rings uh it's called um lids.com. yeah so and their product is called um go ahead yeah their product was called like uh, uh harvest guard
0: okay I, I haven't heard of that one i've been using reusable lids for years and they're made by a company called Tatler. so it's a plastic disc as the lid and a separate rubber seal but that rubber seal is also reusable basically forever. So when you buy a box, you get the lid and the seal, and then you just need the rings. Um, and you can use, you know, I have rings everywhere. But the the reusable lids are fantastic. I love them.
4: Yeah, the, the company that I ran across, they they do plastic lids as well, you know. EBA free and all that. And uh, the rubber rings, they say you can reuse those uh, rubber rings like eight to ten times.
0: Yeah, I don't know if I've ever seen a a limit on the Tattler rings. I I, I don't think I've ever used any of mine ten times yet. Um, What I do is I buy a case of, of jars with lids, rings, all that, and I use those, you know, the lids that come with the jars the first time. Then I throw those away. Although in this canning group, if you were trying to save some money or, you know, they reuse their lids all the time in this canning group. The lids that they say you can't reuse, the lid that comes with the jar, the metal lid, they reuse them all the time in that group. So it can be done. And the thing is, it either seals or it doesn't. If it doesn't seal, then you don't have a canned product. If it does seal, I don't care if you've reused that lid 10 times. If it seals, it seals. Now, if it seals and a month later it pops, then you might want to reconsider. Maybe you're using your lids too many times. I have never reused metal lids, but I do know that you can. And uh, if there were ever a real shortage of lids, I would certainly... Uh, attempt to reuse mine but I, I once I use that original lid that comes with the jar once I open those jars those lids get thrown away and then I switch to the tattler but I have so many lids that I doubt that I've used any of my tattlers more than maybe four or five times
4: uh, quick t- uh, change of subject um, I actually uh, just got done doing my uh, my first official batch after uh, doing a starter batch of uh, the uh, old, uh Luteri yogurt and um uh, I, I heard that it, you got to restart over on the bacteria after you ran it through a few times or is that true or do you just keep going with what you got
0: um the last time i checked i think i remember reading that dr davis had used his bacteria over a hundred times he never he did a hundred batches without going back and buying any new bacteria he just kept reusing his
4: yeah, my second batch came out pretty good. It, it does have a little bit of clumps in it, but it, it's not too bad. Uh, my wife, she, she loves the heck out of it. I, I gave her uh, a cup of that, and, uh, you know, I had to, did your recipe of a little bit of uh, maple syrup and uh, cinnamon, and she tried it, and she wouldn't give me the cup back. Say that again? Uh, I gave her a cup of the uh, that yogurt. With the uh, maple syrup and cinnamon, yeah. uh, I gave it to her, and uh, you know to try it out. She wouldn't give me the cup back.
0: Oh yeah, isn't that awesome? I just had some of that last night. I that is probably the best yogurt I've ever had.
4: Yeah, I I, I really enjoy it, and I appreciate uh, all that you've done. And I'll let you get to the next person.
0: All right, thanks for the call. Let's go to Minnesota. Brandy, welcome to the program.
5: Thank you, Kevin. I have a really simple question. It might sound stupid, but actually I'm asking it. So a while ago, there was an infestation, that may not be the right word, of Japanese beetles. You were talking about, I think, last Friday about you know your war with ladybugs. It's like, how do you know that you don't have Japanese beetles and ladybugs? Ladybugs they are. They talked about Japanese beetles. They bite you as well as they leave nasty stains on walls and they stink. Um, just so that's kind of what my question is.
0: Yeah, um, it's not hard to learn how to tell the difference. They look very similar in shape but size and color um and also Mm -hmm. um location and habitat so i have never found a japanese beetle in my garden anywhere um i know they are here in north america uh they're not native here so we shouldn't see them but they are here uh and we do see them um So ladybugs are actually carnivores. Ladybugs go after other bugs. That's why I keep ladybugs in my garden all year long. I buy them, bring them in, and release them into the garden. And if I run out of them, I buy more. I actually have a subscription for a while now. I will be getting ladybugs every two weeks. They are carnivores. They eat other bugs. So one of the things you could do if you aren't sure which one you have is watch what they're eating. Um, I can go find my ladybugs on plants and I can watch them eat the little aphids and bugs that are on there. Japanese beetles are not carnivores. They're herbivores. They tend to eat the plant. That's why they can be a problem. Um, Color is another pretty good indicator. Now, most of the ladybugs we're used to are like the orange with black spots. But there are actually a lot of colors for ladybugs. They can be brown, yellow, red, black, orange, pink, and white. Those are ladybugs. Now, Japanese beetles are almost always like a green and gold shimmery kind of color with, um, oh, what am I thinking?
1: With, I thought uh, they were more oh, orange br- like, kind
0: of. Like brown, well, that orange gold kind of with brown on the wings. So, and you can look up pictures online and once you kind of familiarize yourself with them, they're pretty easy. You know, honestly, to me, I almost can make mistake a Japanese beetle for a tick. They they look just as much like a tick as they do a ladybug. So once you kind of see that, then it's a lot easier to pick out the Japanese beetles. Although, like I said, I've never found any. I there is another Nothing. bug and I, I don't even in know in the Iowa name of it that that looks like a ladybug and it's not. It's kind of a bright red with black spots, kind of like a ladybug. They don't do any damage, but they also don't eat the aphids, whatever they are. I've found those in my garden, and I just leave them alone because they're not hurting anything. But I've never found any Japanese beetles.
5: Okay. Well, I didn't know they were as small as ticks. Uh, I've seen them on the walls, and, and they leave nasty stains after you... But they also stink after you crush them, too. Um, I just wondered... I. That's all. That's really all. Um, yep. Thank you. Uh, I just kind of give you a transition to go into your garden, uh, update as well, which I really enjoy, I, learning things from you and, uh. I was telling Angie, I said, like, I want to send you this book that I talked about last Wednesday that got a lot of helpful helpful hints of, uh, like, taking the ends off of, you know, lemons or making your own trees or taking seeds and then growing them. Real simple things that you can do. So um, I want to send you those because you can't really get them unless you know you know where to find them. And stuff.
0: Yeah, anyway. I love that kind of stuff. There's There's some really cool tricks like that you can do with food and plants
5: yeah okay i'm at my destination so thank you kevin appreciate
0: it you're welcome thanks for the call all right we um we're out of calls if you want to jump in you can um i do have i think we had a caller on the line i think we lost the call and then they posted in healthy tribe so i'm gonna answer this here um here's the question what are some things that can help me with nausea I was on Prilosec for 23 years, got the PPI kit and completed it six weeks ago and ended my Prilosec at that time. was doing okay, but for the last eight days, I have started to have nausea. The only two things that would help that I've found so far are Pepto, Pepto-Bismol, or eating a slice of white bread. I know that's a no-no, just trying to get relief. Thanks. Um... I, I'm pretty sure I know what's going on here. So after being on Prilosec for 23 years, um, you may need to do another round of the PPI kit. Nausea, like you're experiencing right now, is a sign of weak stomach acid. One of the things you can do to test my theory, there are other things that could cause this. Remember, we're troubleshooting now reading a book right now about troubleshooting that's pretty awesome so we're troubleshooting and the most likely reason for this and the easiest one to test so that's where we're going to start first is low stomach acid so if you have any of the um, hydrochloric acid left over or if you have any supplements with hydrochloric acid in it um, right before you eat take a couple of these, maybe two, depending on the strength. Um, You want to get a pretty good amount of hydrochloric acid in and see if that works. And if that works, then you may want to consider just doing one more kit. I have had instances, one case I can remember, somebody had been on PPIs for over 30 years, I think. We had to do three kits. They would do a kit, they would feel better. A couple months later, some of the symptoms would start coming back. We could also look at, are you getting the proper nutrients you need to produce your own stomach acid? Nutrient deficiencies in your diet could cause that to come back. So you could experiment yourself with some hydrochloric acid. If the hydrochloric acid works, you could then do another kit if you want and see if that eliminates the problem. And if it stays away, if it doesn't, then you could do a one-on-one and we could explore whether or not you have some nutrient deficiencies or not, but you could also experiment with this on your own. Let's, uh, let's go back to the phones. Let's go to Georgia. John, welcome to the program.
3: Yeah. So I talked to you before, uh, about my uh, blood pressure and the fact that I've been carnivore for a few months. Yeah. Um, Well, I ended up going to the doctor to get on blood pressure medicine. Um, Hopefully in the future, I'll be able to get back off of them. But I did want to say my doctor did a blood test on me last month, and I've been carnivore for almost seven months. And he told me that my good cholesterol is 45, and my bad is 67.
0: So there's no such thing as bad cholesterol.
3: Well, no, I guess not. But I've never even thought about having my cholesterol tested until he wanted to test my blood.
0: So what? What? What did but he I mean, want? He, so after he tested and he saw the numbers, what does
3: he think you should do? He he told me that my he said continue the carnivore. He said my numbers are perfect.
0: Excellent. Good. Even though he called it bad cholesterol, and, and I know ninety nine percent of the people out there still call it bad cholesterol, but we, we should probably stop doing that. But I'm glad that he looked at it. He understands it enough to to see that a carnivore diet actually improved your cholesterol.
3: Yeah, and, and you know he wasn't he didn't agree with my carnivore diet, but he also said to me that he would rather me eat to where I'm losing weight than eat you know, whatever I want and gain weight.
0: So, it, it, well, exactly. That's you know, a really good sign. I'm glad he at least sees that. You know, my question would be when he says, I really don't like the fact that you're eating a carnivore diet, my question would be why? Tell me why. Explain why you think this is bad.
3: Yeah, you know, I, I didn't go that far into it. I didn't want to get into a big debate with him. You know, yeah. But.
0: Yeah, it's a, Um So he, yeah, I'm glad he didn't try to push a statin on you.
3: He actually did oh, uh, when of course I first, he did. the first time I went to him. <laughs> be, yeah, before I before he ever even tested my blood. Oh boy! I just never filled. It. Yeah,
0: oh,
3: I never oh, filled good. it. So, good. Yeah, I just did the the two blood pressure medicines that he gave me. Um, I do have a question about the blood pressure um, stuff. So I'm on valsartan. Okay. Um, and uh, I'm by what I'm reading is uh, that it will flush salt out of your system,
0: okay, which is a bad idea.
3: Oh, so, yeah. So should I increase my salt intake? You think or?
0: So what's the other drug that he puts you on, Lisinopril?
3: No, I told him I wouldn't take lisinopril. My brother takes that and he coughs all the time. And I, I didn't want to go through that. Um, the other one, I don't even know how to pronounce it. It's called Metro. Okay. It's M E T O P R O L O.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's another common one. And, and that's not a big deal. It's a fairly mild drug. I don't worry too much about that one. Um, if you, so did you, when you weren't taking high blood pressure medication, were you checking your own blood pressure? Yes. And what were your numbers and was,
3: average? About 180 over 100.
0: Wow. Here's what I would recommend, strongly yeah. recommend. Um, rather than because this is unusual for you to be on carnivore to be getting all these good results and and still have blood pressure that high if you were like 140 150 over 90 something I, i think no big deal that will continue to get better these numbers are concerning and rather than just stay on two medications and hope it goes away i would do a consult with dr wolfson
3: Dr. Wilson, Uh, W-O-L-F-S-O-N.
0: Uh, Wolfson. Yeah, he's a cardiologist. We've had him on the show many times. We should probably get him back here soon uh, because he's always got great stuff. He's a he is a traditionally trained cardiologist. His father was a cardiologist, been in the business forever. He's excellent. Uh, But he realized that as a traditional cardiologist, he was actually just killing people. And he, you know, says he wants to spend the rest of his life making up for all the damage he did. So now he helps people with cardiology issues totally natural. So he would be able okay. to, to dig a little deeper and figure out why your numbers are so high. And then he'll have better recommendations other than just drugs.
3: Okay. Um, what, what's his first name? Jack. Like I'm him up online. Yeah, Jack, oh, Jack. Wilson. Okay. I think I right actually, I think right. I actually have heard him on the show before.
0: Yeah, yeah, and you, you can even look up the paleo cardiologist. He'll come right up.
3: Okay, I do that. Yeah, right here he is. Yep. All righty. Great guy.
0: You can do a can Yeah, you can do a virtual, um, virtual consultation with them. And also, yeah, you know, I'm going to cut you loose. If you're not using Cardio Miracle, you should be. I don't think Cardio Miracle is going to solve your whole problem here, not with numbers that high. So certainly start the Cardio Miracle. If you're not taking it already, you can get it in our store at Let'sTruck.com. It does work amazing, but I would also want you to, um, you know, do a consult with Dr. Wolfson just to make sure we don't really have something wrong here that needs to be addressed. Let's... uh, Let's go to Virginia this time. Kenny, welcome to the program.
2: Good morning. Uh, Just a quick question about uh, fermented cabbage. I uh, made several jars of cabbage uh, two weeks ago and uh, put the uh, vented lids on top. Two of the, three of the jars, I did the salt in with the cabbage, and one I did, uh, just plain cabbage and, and put the brine on top, um, to see which worked the best. Uh, the one that I just put the brine on top, I must not have had my, my lid on, uh, my vented lid on tight enough and it actually sucked the, uh, the seal down inside the jar. Uh, when I took the lid off, it did not, it looks okay but I'm just questioning it. it was open to the, it was open to the air. That's Do you not think a, that's a problem?
0: Not a problem at all. In fact, let me tell you how Eastern Europeans make um, sauerkraut, and they've been doing this for hundreds of years. They will have big like ceramic crocks, like five gallon crocks, and they'll put it down okay. in a root cellar or a basement and it will have a big ceramic lid, and some people don't even use lids, period. I have one. I'm actually fermenting peppers in mine right now. Uh, Sarah got me a big ceramic fermenting crock for Christmas. I love it. I have mine full of hot peppers right now for a fermented pepper sauce. But they would pack that full of cabbage and salt, let it ferment and become sauerkraut, and then... They would just go down and they would take sauerkraut out from the bottom. They would, you know, kind of dig down in and take sauerkraut out from the bottom and just pack more cabbage and salt on the top. It's never sealed, not even close to being sealed. Even when you put the ceramic lid on it, it's not even a form-fitting lid. So keeping air away from this is not required. It can just sometimes... Stop us from getting some other bad bacteria that can possibly get in and create mold. But lots of people ferment in open crocks.
2: Okay. All right. Well, I didn't think it was going to be a problem. I thought, well, I'll just give it a shot. Just. Just check it out with you. So.
0: Yeah, the, the um, you know, the, the vented great. lids, you know, sometimes they help with odor. And if people are doing this in their kitchen or their pantry, they like it because it's, you know, right now I have this big ceramic crock with hot peppers just sitting over in my kitchen right now. And it's been there, I guess it's gone on about a week and it's starting to get pretty fragrant. I mean, you can smell it just walking past <laughs> it because it's not sealed. I love the smell of it. I think it smells incredible right now. But it's starting to make the whole room smell. So I, I will probably today, I'll move it down into, uh, into the garage or somewhere downstairs where it stays nice and cool because I plan on fermenting these peppers for a year.
2: Right. Okay. Thank you
0: very much. You're welcome. Thanks for the call. Be safe. Be profitable.